Welcome to the Preserving Family Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to equip you to gain insight, information, and inspiration to help you protect, teach, and guide your family during these turbulent times. Our goal is to provide tools and resources to help you strengthen and preserve your own marriages and families. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Mark and Janie Ogletree. Welcome, everyone. We're so glad that you're with us today, and I am really glad that we're here because I'm with one of my best friends in the world, Jeff Chapman, a professor at uh, BYU-Idaho, a uh, former mission president. Jeff, I like to tell people that you you pretty much taught me everything that I know that's good. <laughs> oh, Mark, you're the one. You, I followed your footsteps, as you know, everywhere, everywhere you went, I had to go, so... And for those that are listening, that's an incredible part of the our life together is uh, we taught at the MTC together. Uh, we started Loved teaching it. seminary Loved together, it. right, in the same. You were teaching building. some of my my sisters, I think, down in yeah. Mason. We even taught at that Waterford private school for a while. And I taught <laughs> there. Right. And then oh I left gosh. and then you came. Early morning seminary, yes. And then, uh, and then I went to Arizona, where you're from, and taught your family, your ki- your siblings. And then you went to St. George, and then we both end up at Utah State together. Loved our time there. Two years together we had there. And then you left and went to Texas. I go, I go to Texas, and uh, and then a year later you tell me I'm coming to Texas, which I'm I coming to Texas. <laughs> and then and then and then what? How long were you guys in Texas? We were in Texas six years, and then came yeah. to BYUI. Yeah. And then you go to BYUI and then several years later, we end up coming to BYU. So we just we just keep following each other around all over the countryside, which I think is great. It's been awesome. Can't get enough of that. So, Jeff, one of the things that that I really enjoyed uh, with our time together at Utah State is we were both studying fathers. I mean, that was kind of the topic of our dissertations. That's what our paper we wrote every paper on that. How did you, how did you get into that topic, Jeff? Besides the fact, oh, that I'm the oldest. Kid. I'm the oldest of nine kids, and so right. I got to watch my my parents and my father. I got to watch him father. Yeah. And, uh, as I moved into my early uh, young adult years, and I loved the way my dad handled us. And there were times he he could lose he could lose everything, kind of lose his cool. With but nine kids, you have rare. to at least once or twice. With right? nine kids, you got to at least have to <laughs> once in a while to, to corral them all in the station wagon. But the way my dad would operate, I, I still have a document my dad wrote in the middle of the night about things I want to teach my children. And he had written this out while he was doing an extra night job to to get money to pay for all of us, right? Oh so that could, uh, take care of us. So my mom could be there and be present in the lives of her kids. But here's my dad, even when he was away from us doing a security job, he found some time where he would write down thoughts about what it meant to him to be a dad, things I want to teach my children. And that's a collection of uh, 15 items that we've pasted on our walls uh, as children. We we love the way that our dad thinks. So anyway, that had a strong influence on me. I I realized what, how much I wanted to be like my dad, how much I treasured the opportunity as my first two children came. You know, we had twins right from the get-go. You, When did you get your twins? Remember, we always copy you. We follow you later. So <laughs> our twins were our uh, fifth, our fourth and fifth child children. So <laughs> anyway, that hit me like a load, right? When sure. a son and daughter that came at the same time. 
and I fell in love with being a dad. And so by the time we got to Utah State, I I was like you. I I want to value. And there was a lot of dismissive kind of the the social pop culture of the day was pretty derogatory towards fathers, right? There was not very many positive uh, fathers that you could put in front of people. A lot of c- comedies shows that always kind of diminished who dad was. It was and, right when that big Murphy Brown scandal kind of went out of, which yeah. was a show back in the late nineties or the mid nineties where, where they were making a lot of uh, fun of uh, dads and doofus dads and, and quail and (laughs) anyway and so and mark i think we saw we were seeing kind of a renaissance even in studying fathers right and trying to understand there there have been some great work done on the role of mothers and their influence on their kids there finally started to be some much better research and so it felt to me like we timed it well yeah i think we did and 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 jeff for me it was similar in a lot of ways uh you know, for me, you know, I, I really thought hard about, you know, really focusing on marriage in our doctoral program. But but the same thing, my wife just my wife is the one who always gets the inspiration, you know, and, and she said, you know, what you, you really ought to do is you ought to focus on fathers. You love being a dad. You're you're engaged in it. Uh, and, and as soon as she said that, I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. that's it. That is it. And I it's been wonderful to reconnect with some of the material recently just because of father's day you know it kind of puts you in that mood and and uh anyway jeff those were those were just great times you know for me and i know for you uh being in graduate school during those uh, mid to late 90s and we had some great experiences together and i'll i'll never forget it well well, here's here's what uh, some of the messaging is today so a lot of things haven't changed since the mid to late 90s and there are people that are vocal about the fact that fathers aren't necessary. And I love what David Blankenhorn said. He was one of the men that we researched a lot of his, uh, read from a lot of his material, but he said, I believe the opposite. I pledge to live my life according to the principle that every child deserves a father, father and that marriage is the pathway to effective fatherhood. And how about this? That being a good man means being a good father and that America needs more good men. Now he said that in the 90s, but it's even more, you know. More oh, hasn't that been one of the now? prominent things? One of the things is we, as I've continued to follow the research, Mark, and one of the things that we've seen is uh, in a fatherless society, uh, kids are 20 more times to have behavioral disorders, uh, nine times more likely to drop out of high school, 10 times more likely to have substance abuse problems. And of course, the challenges even with suicide, right? And how kids feel about themselves. That loss of a connection with a dad, it has ramifications that play out for a long time, don't they? They do. I mean, kids are more likely to go to prison, uh, you know, commit crime, uh, obviously do poorly in school like you talked about. Anyway, it's the data is quite incredible. And this is why Paul Amato, you know, called it the father effect, you know, and this is once again, it's the idea that a good father and that's really what we're talking about. Right. We're talking about that's fathers. Right who are engaged, who are involved, and who are nurturing. We're not just talking about men or just dads that aren't that aren't part of the team, so to speak, but that are involved, that they make a huge difference. And that when children have close relationships with their dads, that they tend to avoid high-risk behaviors, they're less likely to have uh, sexual relationships at a young age, more likely to have high-paying jobs and healthy, stable relationships, when they grow up, they tend to have higher IQs. 
uh, fewer psychological problems. In fact, it's not just that children benefit while they're in their home with their dad, but they really benefit for the rest of their lives when they have a dad who cares about them, who loves them, and who wants to be involved in their lives. Okay, can I share a story about that? Yeah. So I've got, uh, I I was this young uh, new father, right? This is uh, 1987. And uh, my dad had come up to visit us and was having some back surgery. And th- this was actually a year before the babies came. So this was not when I'd yet become a father. So my dad comes up to have some back surgery and he has to recover. And he was able to stay at my in-laws home. My in-laws got along so well with my parents, man. It was like they were long lost friends. They did so great. And so that led to real happy family relations for Christy and I that our oh, yeah. liked each other. But they invited my dad to do part of his recovery in their home. And while he was there, uh, my dad, for my birthday that year, he decides to write me a poem. And my dad always had kind of a creative writing bent, and he was a good writer, but I'd never seen a poem from him. Yeah. And so here I am. I'm I, I'm a, a couple of years into my marriage. I'm uh, I'm going to school full time. I'm, I'm I'm working, doing some early morning seminary. And my dad says, hey, I, I wrote this for you. I want you to have this. And it's it's like a 20 plus stanza poem. Oh, my God. Story of a young of a young man, a young father who's gone to a mountain to pray. And the way that the poem starts out is the the young man's in his prayer. And he's saying, what gift can I give, dear father, to show my love for thee? There is no gift that that can bring except thyself, just thee. And then the young man is going, well, the Lord's not really telling me an answer. He's just saying, you've got to bring yourself. And he didn't understand what that meant. And at the end of the day, when he's gone back to his work, he's been praying on the mountain, but then he goes in the valley and he works and he finally heads home and he's got a little child who runs out the front door and he scoops this baby up in his arm and he looks back up at the mountain where he was earlier in the day. And the answer finally came in, in the poem, the Lord speaks and says, yes, go to the mountain for comfort, go to the mountain to pray. But remember my son, it's the valley where you're forging your life for that day. So give your life, the way you give a gift is what you're going to give in your care for your family and your care for your fellow man. That's the gift you have to offer. That's, uh, there isn't anything you can bring me on this mountain as much as what you're going to do down in your daily work in the valley. Wow. Powerful poem, multiple layers in that, that really, Oh yeah. but for that as an adult child to still be benefited by my dad, I, that taps into an effect that that father effect that you're talking about. And another word that we sometimes used in our, in our research and things that we were doing that I remember, Mark, was generativity, right? Yeah. And that, Tell us uh, about that. Eric Erickson place of de- that, that stage of development that was intended for, for adulthood, where Eric Erickson said, adults need to learn how to be generative. They want to have insight or care for the next generation. Right. I, I like that idea. And I think that's something that dads bring. They bring that's, care for what happens into the next generation. And that's so true, Jeff, as we, as you and I enter our 60s. Remember, remember when our <laughs> granddad last was- last week, I'm officially there, brother. I'm there remember, with you. <laughs> I remember when my granddad was 60, I thought he could die any day, you know, and, and here we are, <laughs> we're right. there. 
Find him a chair, help him sit down. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But we're, you know, we're at that phase where we're really thinking about legacy and, and what do we want to pass down to children and grandchildren? And, uh, and I, I love that concept of, of generativity, good, good stuff there. Let me share with you an experience that, uh, I've just never, ever forgot. It was so powerful when I first heard it. And the story uh, comes from the Kruger National Park and Game Reserve in South Africa. Park rangers and officials were faced with a growing elephant problem. The population of African elephants had grown larger than the park could handle. And initially, park rangers had planned to harness up some of the larger bull elephants and fly them by helicopter to other African game reserves. The rangers learned, though, that transporting the large bull elephants wasn't easy at all. In fact, the harnesses couldn't handle the enormous weight of the elephants, and so instead of transporting the large elephants, they just simply killed them. The idea was to kill the adults to save the children. Then the smaller elephants were transported to other parks, mainly the Polanisberg Park. Now, although the intentions of the officials were noteworthy, this proved to be a really dumb idea. And you can quote me on that. This program of killing the large bull elephants thrown together without any adults left to teach the younger ones to behave, not good. So imagine now a cohort of what we could call juvenile elephants roaming the grasslands of South Africa. Within a short period of time, park rangers were finding the dead bodies of endangered white rhinos, animals that had been on the brink of extinction, but they had now become a thriving herd. 39 of these white rhinos were killed, 10% of the herd. At first, poachers were suspected, but the huge rhinos hadn't died of gunshot wounds and their horns had been left intact. Instead, the rhinos were killed violently with deep puncture wounds. The rangers were were baffled at first, and so they set up hidden cameras throughout the park to expose the culprits. The results were shocking. The perpetrators turned out to be a marauding band of aggressive juvenile elephants, the orphaned elephants, the elephants whose fathers had been killed. So a generation of elephants grew up with no role models. They didn't have fathers to teach them how to behave, how to control their biological urges or their aggressive impulses. And as a result, these juvenile delinquent gang-like elephants were on a spree similar to the violence in the urban jungles of our country. With this gang-like mentality, these young male elephants were caught on camera, chasing down rhinos, terrorizing them, knocking them over, and then stomping or goring them to death. Other animals in the park had also been the victims of these delinquent elephants. Moreover, the street gang of elephants had also terrified some of the tourists, acting aggressively, chasing their vehicles. In fact, one hidden camera revealed a juvenile delinquent elephant throwing large tree branches at a herd of rhinos. Another elephant was seen squirting water over 30 feet at a rhino just to taunt him. These elephants were basically just raiding and plundering the neighborhood. And since elephants usually aren't so aggressive, park rangers were scratching their heads. The biggest question was what had gone wrong? Why would these elephants wander around the jungle killing rhinos? Further examination revealed the answer. The rhino killers were fatherless. That's right. These violent elephants had no fathers. They also experienced what we would call uh, probably a surge of testosterone triggered by the mating season. 
Now, usually dominant bull elephants manage and contain the testosterone-induced frenzy in the younger males. However, left without role models and the discipline of the larger bull elephants, the young, younger elephants were missing the civilizing influence of their elders. One ecologist said, I think everyone needs a role model and these elephants that left the herd had no role models and no idea of what appropriate elephant behavior was, especially adult elephant behavior, if you want to say it that way. Now, the solution turned out to be the biggest Big Brother program in the world. Big Daddy elephants were loaded onto huge trucks and brought back into the park. And the bigger, older, and more mature elephants established a new hierarchy by sparring with the juvenile elephants and essentially putting them in their place. And now with their testosterone in check, and that with these big dad elephants patrolling the streets, the juvenile delinquency stopped. The juveniles were actually reformed. The rhinos, the tourists, were happy once again. Balance uh, returned to the, to the park. The psychologist I quoted a minute ago compared it to a group of teenage boys who had been acting up, and then their fathers confront them. Once those big bull elephants arrived, not one rhino has been killed. Once again, a great testament of why dads are so important. You know, Jeff, I, I want to talk for a minute. I think let, let's talk for a minute on why girls need good dads in their lives. You know, and hey. Uh, we are a family of four girls, one boy, right? So our son was greatly outnumbered. What, what? I know you've got more than a few. What have you got there, brother? We've we've got seven, seven daughters and one son. Once again, following after your footsteps with the with the same daughters, you know. <laughs> Let's get started on daughters, and away we go. Yeah, but I, you know, and I and I came to know that uh, you know, first of all, we never really know or even dream about what our family structure is going to look like. I never. Yeah. I never even thought that I would have seven daughters, but I've really come to love that. It, it was an awesome thing for me. And I, at first I thought, well, I don't even know like what to do. I mean, in our house, it was pretty much, you know, all boys. <laughs> we had one sister, you know, but, uh, but I've learned that, I, that I could treat my daughters very much how I treated our son, you know, and that they could, there was a, there was plenty of space to teach them how to be tough and resilient and do hard things. And, uh, and my daughters really enjoyed that. And so and that's a, that's another element, too, of some of the research that we've looked at, isn't it, Mark, that dads kind of bring a different take on what their kids can experience. And I like that idea the, yeah. the resiliency um, dads maybe push in a different direction than moms do, you know, it, but together they they influence their kid. But but boy, dads can bring that in a positive way. I agree. Maybe I can share two experiences, one a good one and one not so good. But uh, I remember uh, I was a little bit lost, Jeff. I don't know about you, but that first time I got released as the bishop and we moved here and here I was coming home at noon every day on Sundays and I was really lost. What's wrong with me? Yeah. And I was trying to find my place back in the family. And uh, I just came up with this idea, Sunday afternoon sumo wrestling. And uh, <laughs> we had this area rug. <laughs> and uh, put the daughters uh, up against each other. And uh, the idea was just who could knock each other off the carpet. And uh, 
of course, my wife came in and she said, what in the heck are you doing? And I tried to <laughs> explain to her that this was a good thing. And uh, and she said, no, this is not a good thing. <laughs> Even if this was Monday, this is not, uh, I did not want my daughters to be sumo wrestlers. You know, that's no. not what I had in mind. But back to your point of what dads offer, and I know what I'm about to share can be very stereotypical, and I don't mean for it to be. But right, right. In our family, and we did have several daughters. In fact, almost all of them are great athletes. And uh, one of our daughters was in, our oldest daughter, Brittany, was in cross country. And I felt it was my job to run alongside her to, uh, when I could, I mean, to yell the right thing out at the right spot, to be at the right spot. And I still have this visual of myself running into the finish line, you know, off to the side, but with my stopwatches and my compass and my water bottle and a camera, you know, or whatever. And I'm yelling at my wife, what's her time? What's her time? And Janie's looking at me like, like, what, what are you talking about? And I go, honey, they're, they're timing this. This is like a race. Did you see what her time was when she came in? And she's like, no, I didn't. I don't care about the time. And my wife is just hugging our daughter. Way to go. You finished. I'm so proud of you. And I'm like, no, if, if she's going to go to the Olympics, uh, that time has to be 20 seconds better than it was last week, you know, or whatever. And, uh, you know, and I, in fact, I remember. We've got to see improvement here. We've got to climb this. I, I remember yelling at my daughter. She ran by me one time. Step it up. You're loafing, you know. And this other dad looked at me and said, man, you you're hardcore because I'm just happy my daughter finishes this race, you know, and I realized, okay, I got, I got to, okay, maybe I'm overemphasizing not quite the right thing here. But. And then one day my daughter and I had a talk and she's like, Hey dad, just so you know, I don't even care. I don't know. I'm not planning on going to, to the Olympics. In fact, I don't even want to run in college. I just, this is really fun to hang out with the track team on Friday night and eat pizza. I mean, that's kind of what I'm in this for. And I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. Oh, okay. Now I know. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. But I dads, got, dads can do about, that, right? Yeah, dads can do that. Yeah. Uh, our daughter came to us once. Uh, uh, one of my daughters said, dad, I got to make a video. Says, and that's supposed to be teaching people how to do something. You know, she's like in fourth grade or fifth grade. <laughs> I said, okay, what do you want to do? I, she says, well, can you dress up like you're a chef and and let's pretend. And so I became this French chef named Chef Louis. And uh, which I can totally see you doing that. So, oh, well. yeah. <laughs> and Chef Louis would tell all of these things, you know, that you have to make when you cook the eggs. You you should remove the shell one piece at a time, you know, and then the goopy <laughs> stuff comes out. But uh, and so I would give all these directions, and she she just loved it, and she loved taking that. But to be there for your daughter like that, right? And to and she took the lead, and she told me shots she wanted or places that she wanted to go, and uh, tell her story and. And I love I love supporting my my daughters and helping them see they can do anything. They can do anything. Yeah, they, want. they definitely can. Here's what here's what some of the research says. You know, like the father daughter relationship is where girls can learn to learn about love and respect and intimacy. Even we say that in the in the, in the sense of connection from their dads, a, a, a daughter's relationship with her dad can play a key role in their psychological development. Uh, girls can grow up with a healthy sense of self when they have a great relationship with their dad. Yeah. Interestingly, but when dads are involved in their daughter's lives, these uh, girls are prone to, to pursue higher education. They feel better about themselves, more confident in relationships. They even have better grades in school. Yeah. You know, the, that kind of improvement, another part of the research 
the impact that dads have on their daughter's body image, how yeah. they think about themselves. If dads are taking notice, you know, in their daughter's growing up years, where all these this messaging is coming in about appearance, all this messaging is coming in about comparison. And if dads play their part in just being encouraging, recognizing when their daughters look nice and uh, and letting them know about that, how they feel about that, those are such positive ways that you can reinforce it. It makes a big difference. And uh, don't be overly critical. Be supportive. Be loving of where your daughters are and, and what they're trying to do uh, as they grow into women. And then I, another piece of this I know that we can have an influence as dads in how our daughters feel about their relationship with God. There can be this connection. There was a dad who his daughter had been away from him for a while, and and uh, and she'd been through some struggles with divorce and some other challenges. But as they were communicating one time, she she was sharing that in her efforts to reestablish a connection with God in her life, there were things she realized she wanted in her future. And yeah. she, she kind of let her dad know that part of what she wanted was, <laughs> I want a dad like, I want to marry a man like you. I yeah. want someone who's going to treat me the way I see you treat mom. And that's impacted this connection that she may have been feeling towards her own relationship with, with her father in heaven. So those are different. That, ways yeah. yeah. I love that. In fact, let me even uh, just step one step back from where you were with with, you know, how dads can, in a sense, point their daughters to God, you know, and to Heavenly Father. But I I love the idea that dad dads can be great protectors of their daughters. You know, I we, we did a little fun exercise. We were in Montana a couple of weeks ago and we wanted to interview our granddaughters to make a little video for their dad for Father's Day. <laughs> One of the things we asked them is we said to them, we said, what is your dad afraid of? And in every case, these daughters said, actually nothing. My dad's not afraid of anything. And you could tell that that gave the these girls this great sense of security and thinking wow. that wow. their dad's not afraid of anything. Now, if we interview dad, he would he would be afraid of plenty <laughs> of things probably. But it reminds me of President Nelson when his daughters were teenagers and dating and, and when he felt it was time for those young men to go home, he would walk into the room and say, uh, did you know that you're still here? And then he would say, <laughs> he'd hold his hands out and say, these hands save people's lives, but I got to go to bed and get my rest. And that was, but it was just good for those young men to go, oh, your dad's here. And, uh, and I, and I remember Jeff, one of the greatest compliments that I think I ever got that wasn't meant for a compliment, but we lived in, you know, McKinney, Texas and one of my daughters came up to me and said, dad, I don't know if you know this, but every young man in our stake is afraid of you. And I said, I am so grateful. That is, I have no idea how I, that is exactly. Yeah. <laughs> At five foot, six inches. And uh, <laughs> I wish I could say 155 pounds, yeah, 155 pounds, but it no. was a, you know, a couple, couple, couple more than that. But, uh, but I love the fact that they knew that, yeah, no, I, I really care about my girls and I care who they date. And uh, if you're, if you're not appropriate or I feel like if you would drag them down in some way, I'm, I'm not real happy about that. So anyway, that very kind of interaction, right. That sends that messaging to your child. Uh, I'm here with you. I'm going to protect you. I'm part of your, uh, I'm part of your team. I'm part of your life, but in that way that only a dad can do it. Right. I told uh, one of my daughters. Oh, sorry, Jeff. I was just saying one of my daughters once, 
because she got mad at me because she said, dad, what do you think of this guy? And I go, do you really want to know? And she said, yeah. And I go, no, I don't no. think I don't think he's the right guy for you. And she said, dad, why are you why are you so that way? She said, you're so judgmental. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're I talking said, about my girl. <laughs> you're talking about my girl. I said, hey, look, and I got really serious with her. I said, my job and maybe one of my only jobs is that you marry the most awesome, outstanding young man that's out there in the temple and have a great life together. And so far, I think I'm doing a pretty good job, you know, because at that time we had five or six daughters. <laughs> oh, you've done a great married job. to some good guys, and uh, and I'm not I'm not letting off the gas, you know. You're number oh. you're number five or six, and we're gonna do this right. So, yeah. And, and and now she's grateful, of course, but she's the same daughter that said, uh, "Hey, Dad, when I'm a mom, we're not gonna have any rules in my house because she was punished <laughs> for doing something one day, and now she's a mom, and just she's like, never in never my mind. future <laughs> life. That's right. <laughs> just kidding. Well, just tricking go with that. You know, Jeff, I love that we 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 read together a minute ago that maybe one of the greatest things a dad can do for a daughter is to validate, right? To oh, to compliment and praise. Yeah, it's so important. And, and kind of coupled with that was the idea that there are things dads can do with appropriate affection. Sometimes as dads and their daughters kind of move into teenage years, there's almost a sensitivity or a gap about how do I... Barrier almost, right? Yeah, yeah. How do I handle this growing body of uh, uh, of this person? But your daughter still needs those hugs and affection. A anyway, one time I'd gotten into a little tiff or interaction with one of my daughters, and uh, and it, it I started to notice some distance. Right, she wouldn't sit by me during scripture study. She wouldn't uh, curl up next to me during the movie. Uh, and so I, I was attentive to that, and I wrote a I wrote a little note to her and got a little letter to her, and then uh, just that effort on my part to acknowledge maybe there's some things your dad could have done better. Sure. All of a sudden she was coming closer and sitting next to me. Uh, we were getting our arms around each other a little bit more in ways that conveyed, hey, we're here for each other. Um, those are powerful messages, and they're and it's validating, right, to our young daughters as they're going to become what they're, it, it tells them the kind of man that they should be looking for. It tells them about appropriate levels of uh, connection and bonding that they want to develop with someone, but they can learn that from their dads. Well, amen. So Jeff, now, now this is funny between both of us. I think we had 11 girls, which was <laughs> 11 girls, entire, entire football team or a young women's program in some places, but between both of us, <laughs> We just have two sons. We have two sons. <laughs> precious, <laughs> precious though, pretty precious to have a boy. Yeah. And is he your firstborn, or is he your? Is he secondborn? Our son is number two. I know your son's a twin. Was he born? born He's a twin, but he was born second. Yes. Okay, so yeah, once our... again, Chapman's following the ogle tree. <laughs> why do? Why do? Uh, so why do boys need good dads? I know that sounds kind of like a, an obvious type of question and response, but. We want our people to know why it's so crucial. Yeah. And wow, what an impact. I, I'm thinking of one of the ways uh, my dad, of course, I at the time I knew my dad, he was in law enforcement. He was uh, out on patrol, which was kind of awesome, right? My, my dad is out there protecting the West. We lived yeah. in Arizona. <laughs> um, and uh, that's kind of how I viewed my dad. As I was getting older and made my decision to go into teaching, I learned more about my dad's early years of uh, before he went into law enforcement. He'd been a seminary teacher, wow. and I had, and I and I realized in many ways that 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 focus in his life had 
become part of my life. And I wanted to be like him. So to have a mentor, a role model as your dad, uh, to kind of be determined. And I, I felt that now into my older years, I I'm trying to be a better grandpa based on the way I've seen my dad as a grandfather, right. That's things with my own kids. So, uh, I, I love that mentor role and I let my dad know all the time, how much I appreciate the model he's been for me in my life. Oh, Jeff, I think that's so good. I think, you know, dads certainly can, can boost the confidence and the self-worth of of their sons, you know, just a praise and a compliment from a dad can mean everything in the world uh, to a young boy, you know, no question about that. Dads can teach their sons to be tough. You know, we need more of that today to, to have some perseverance, grit. Some, have grit, some grit, do some hard things, you know, yeah. I like and that. Then, and then the, uh, I, it was drilled into me by dad. If I wanted to get my dad's attention, if I was ever dismissive of something my mom had said, or if I was uh, demeaning my sisters in any way, I would hear about it from my dad. Yeah. And he wanted me to understand the importance of uh, respect, love, care, and again, a protective element for all these sisters you have, Jeffrey. And I had six. Uh, he said, you, you take the lead in treating them with the respect they deserve. Yeah. And, uh, protect them so that's something that i my son i think would say the same thing that dad wanted to make sure i knew i'm going to be very respectful of women in my life I, I and i love that idea and i i know in our home that was a uh, emphasized quite often i our kids all knew that you're not going to talk back to mom you're going to respect her and if you do Okay, we're 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 gonna we're I don't want to say heads are gonna roll, but we're gonna we're gonna have a <laughs> we're gonna have a come to Jesus meeting, all right, guys. <laughs> we're just not gonna tolerate that. You know, research shows that children with an involved father they grow up to have more successful relationships. Sons with fathers will have better relationships in their life, stronger social skills, greater self control, higher self worth, do better at school less likely to, to engage in a risky behavior. I know there was a lot of risky behaviors I chose to avoid because I knew that to, when I got home, I'd have to explain that to my dad and that would be it, you know? Exactly. No, and when you hear, uh, when you're doing that and you're helping establish boundaries for your sons, helping them uh, learn that they can have self-control, uh, to also have them be aware of some of your own journeys and some of the ways in which you've learned how to become the person you are. And then validate, again, that this word validation, support for your child. I, I, I love that you were there for your daughters, even running alongside them. I, I, I love the book uh, that you did some work on, on David O. McKay's uh, fathering practices, Mark. What was David O. McKay like as a father? And his sons, one of his sons tells a story of trying to be a leader at the local public high school. And they had a big plan to put a flagpole on top of a mountain. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and he was a little discouraged because the student support wasn't coming and, and there were some things lacking. And he shared that with his father, David O. McKay, busy apostle sent everywhere around the world to help the church. And David O. McKay kind of, or, or just in a casual way says, well, I was kind of excited to see you accomplish this. I was planning to come. Yeah, come to this event. And when that happened, that son, Llewellyn, said, I then I knew I could do anything. And he went and got rallied the support from his school. But my dad's going to be there. And that support from his dad on that day, 
that dad said, I'm with you. I've got you that what a message to sons to hear that from their dad. It make it makes such a big difference. Makes such a difference, you know, and I not to thank you, Jeff, for sharing that. I think that's a great uh, that's a great story and uh, kind of goes along with the idea of of uh, that our our sons need to see their dad as a Christ like leader, you know, in the home, someone who is calm in a crisis, someone who has poise. But I also like the idea that, you know, based on the story that we told at the beginning of this podcast, that every boy probably needs a bull elephant in his life as well, right? To, my my wife used to say that in her home there was an expression that that every child needs a healthy fear of their father, you know, and <laughs> and, and and I know that some would really disagree with that. It sounds so harsh, but I think you know, in the terms of just respect and 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 the idea that if I did that, it would let my mom and dad down. And I do expect that there will be consequences for the for the poor behaviors. Yeah. in my life you know i think there's something that is healthy about that that yeah it really that does there's a need for those kind of kind of dads who set boundaries and let their sons know like your dad did in such a gentle way but no you're not going to treat girls that way not going to happen yeah and, and the other way he modeled that as well was the way he loved my mom right yeah. i saw that all the time and i, I it, it's become kind of axiomatic uh in our study of fathers to know that when dads treat their wives with respect, uh, that channels particularly into the lives of their sons. Yeah. It shows up uh, and it makes a difference. They they know how to better treat and care for. I had a student the other day who was talking about uh, moms had some uh, illness in the home uh, that's kept her from doing things for several years now. And this young man was sharing, uh, I've watched my dad. I've watched him care for my mom. When it might have been easy to throw your hands up and say, I can't stick around and do this. But he's he's let my mom know, I made a commitment to you and I'm going to be there. Oh, that's and, so uh, that that's a powerful message again. And it shows all those things you're describing, right? Christ-like leadership. It shows, uh, hey, there's limits on what we do and we don't treat people in certain ways. But it's also the proactive, look at look at these very positive ways that we get to serve and care and love, uh, particularly as you're going to take care of your own spouse someday. Well, for all the future dads out there, I would say that, you know, one of our collective great experiences together, uh, Jeff, you and I was just being involved in the lives of our daughters, of our sons, and how much that meant to us and, and how fulfilling that was. And I, you know, not that I want to go ever backwards in life, but those some of those days when you see yourself on the sidelines or whatever the, you know, at the play or whatever their activity was in life, their achievements as they move mm -hmm. through life and to be their great cheerleaders, I, I, I would love to do that again, you know. <laughs> hey, you're the best, you're the best BYU football dad I've ever seen. <laughs> Brandon had those great years with some great teams, but you love cheering on your son no matter what he was doing. Yeah, and still do. I, I love that. So Mark, one of the thoughts, uh, and I had expressed just a little earlier, this idea of generativity, right? Right. There, there is this uh, stage of development that Erickson said, if adults don't learn to figure this out, they, they kind of end up in despair uh, that in their adulthood, am I generative? Am I trying to pass something on? Well, parenting, parents, all these people that you've 
reached out to so well with these messages for dads to know the difference they make in the next generation's life. There's a Reader's Digest story yeah. that I thought would maybe kind of bookend what you had talked <laughs> about with the elephants. But uh, there was a gang violence spike. This was reported in a 2022 Reader's Digest article. And uh, a group of fathers came together on Thursday, September 16th, 2021, just weeks into the school year. Two groups of boys brawled across the courtyard at Southwest Southwood High School in Shreveport, Louisiana. The following day, two groups of girls picked up where the boys left off. In a mere two days, 23 students were in police custody. One student charged with battery for allegedly hitting an assistant principal. Another charged with threatening a resource officer and a staff member. When a school administrator told her former classmate, Craig Lee, a business owner and community activist that gang tensions were rising, Lee wanted to do something. He contacted Michael Lafitte, a fellow activist who had 11th grade daughter at Southwood High. That mm -hmm. Sunday, the two held an emergency meeting with parents and principals. By the end of that four-hour session, a group of the fathers in attendance decided it was time to make their presence known. We're dads, Lafitte said. The best people to take care of our kids are who? Us. <laughs> That's how Dads on Duty was born. Its goal is to make sure kids are safe. Around 40 men organized into six-person shifts with two shifts on campus every day. They start the day after the meeting. These dads are business owners, truck drivers, chefs, financial advisors who sacrifice their own schedules and commitments. What a powerful message, by the way, to oh, send yeah. those kids. Some are fathers of kids at the school, while others are uncles, grandfathers, brothers, and men like Lee. He doesn't have a child at Southwood, but wants the youth in his community community to know they have an entire village behind them. Now, anyone who enters the school, entered with rage and a closed fist, has to dodge boisterous papa bears, big smiles, positive affirmations, a plethora of dad jokes. It's hard <laughs> to be a tough book guy when somebody's uncle has just tricked you into checking your shoelaces for the umpteenth time, only to find out that they are in fact untied. Since dads on duty arrived on campus, fights have drastically declined, gang battles have stopped completely. The school's been happy. You can feel it, said one student. Another student told the Washington Post, they interact with all the kids like we're their own children. Wow. Yeah. Um, so powerful. Dads can be generative. They can give thought to the needs of the next generation. They can do that with their own kids. They can do it with other people's children. We don't have to leave people, our children stuck in these difficult situations. Who better? We can we can jump in as dads and do something. I love that. Dads on duty. You know, those are the, those dads are the bull elephants of Shreveport, Louisiana. <laughs> you got to love those men. I think that's so great. And we you know we read in those. Uh, um, in those books by David Blankenhorn and David Popino back in the late 90s, yeah. stories of fathers with this principle of generativity who were patrolling neighborhoods and, and you know, when police wouldn't and keeping families safe. And I just love I love those stories. It's the it's the true essence of of what it means to be a dad, but also a man to protect, you know. Um, well, Jeff, it's been awesome to be with you. It always is. It's always, there's only one thing that wow. could be better. That's that I would be in Rexburg with you today. <laughs> You'd be heading to go eat somewhere right after. That's right. <laughs> so, so with LDS, let's do something, Jeff, what's a good invitation we can give to those who are listening today 
that could really bless their lives and the lives of those around them. Well, again, happy Father's Day. Thanks to all you dads for what you do in the lives of your children. I've just wondered if we could follow a dad's example, my dad's example in my life. Yes. What if we wrote some things down? What if we took a moment this week and did some writing and wrote some things down? What what difference do I want to make in the lives of my children? What are things that to me, I want my children to know, to know about me, to know about uh, what I value or what I believe? What are things I want my child to know and how, how might I go about teaching that to them? And maybe like you, it ends up becoming something that it's a document that's become a treasured part of our family history to have the reflections of my own dad and then to share that with my own children and yeah. to pass on things that matter to me. But for us to take some time and be thoughtful and write a few things down and then how do I start to teach this to my child? Yeah. Uh, that, that'd be the invitation I'd offer. I think, that, Jeff, I think that's a great invitation. You know, I, I love what you're, what you've shared there. I think wonderful idea. So Everyone, thank you so much for being with us. I know we're extending Father's Day here by making it for the whole month of June. <laughs> I can't, we can't talk enough about dads and, and men and, and the difference that they can make in the lives of their of their family, especially when they're God-fearing, righteous men who love the Lord first and and want to do what's right, you know. So so thank you for being with us this week. We look forward to, to being with you next time. Until then, have a wonderful week. We'll see you later.